Father God, thank you so much, Lord, just uh, just for the opportunity we have to come in here and just uh, be with you for a little while. Father, I pray, Lord, that you just uh, let your spirit and your presence rest in this house. God, I believe with all my heart when stuff starts breaking and stuff starts going wrong, it's usually because there's something trying to stop what it is you're trying to do, Father. And I know that whether we had a great microphone or a bad microphone or no microphone at all, Father God, or if the screens work or if the sound works, or Father, I know that when your spirit and your presence is here, God, and your word is being preached, that is all that matters. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would just let your presence be with us, God, as we go through um, this message today, God, that you would just let me be a vessel for you this morning, God. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would just speak forth truth and life, God, and let us just fall more in love with you today, God, than when we came, Father, in your holy and your precious name. Amen. Now, I just want to go ahead and say, last week I made a promise to some 12 to 18-year-olds. And so if you have your Bible, if you brought your physical Bible, raise it up. 12 to 18. 12 to 18. Now all the adults can too. Rodney, you're not 12 to 18. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay, so I'm only out about, what, $40, $45? I'm good. I'm cool with that. That's good. All right, well, um, if you guys will come see me, I'll write your names down, I'll get you your $5. Man of my word. The reason I wanted you guys to bring um, your, we normally just do, um, just, I love people to bring their Bibles and, and have the, on their phone app and just take notes and stuff like that. But one of the reasons I want you to bring your physical Bibles is because as we go through this series, there's going to be some key scriptures that are like incredibly important to your life. And I would love you to be able to underline them or highlight them. Another reason we put a bunch of pens in y'all's seats um, this morning so that if you didn't have a pen, you would have a pen and you'd be able to just underline a few key scriptures so that you can go back to. Because as we go through this series, we're going to hit all of just a lot of major topics and major scriptures that just really affect everything. And so that's just one of the reasons I wanted you to do that so you could read it through it, read it with me. And, uh, and number one, we're just going to get into it because I had a good intro plan, but the microphone stole that one. So here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. Highlight that one. That one's a pretty big deal. God created the heavens and the earth. I thought it'd be interesting just to kind of go through all of scripture just really fast to arrive at this. David says in Psalms about God, he says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all of their hosts by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it came to be, he commanded and it stood forth. And then John says in uh, John 1 verse 34, says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, talking about Jesus, was not anything made that was made in him was life. And then at the last book of the Bible in Revelations, it says, for in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Colossians 1.16 and Revelations 4.11, you are worthy, our Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. This is what we believe as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that God created everything. That's what we believe. We believe that God created everything. Now listen, this is the deal. There's a 99.9% of humanity believes and God created everything. They don't always think about it. There's a lot of what I would call deists who believe that there's probably a creator, um, but that maybe he doesn't have much to do with the world. There's, there's Gnostics that believe in like a spiritual realm, and they believe that God, there was this form, and there was this thing, and that we weren't just an accident. And, and only until the very recently, in the past uh, few 
maybe 150, 200 years did the term atheist start kind of popping up. This is the true atheist is someone who rejects all belief in God or in a higher power. It's the idea that there is, there was never a beginning point. There was never, there was never a higher being before creation. There was nothingness. And then out of nothingness, a cosmological accident occurred. And then we sparked from nothing. And then we grew. And the only real theory, and I'm not going to attack this theory through the course of this message, but the only real theory that ever really that goes against the existence of God is the most famous of all theories, and that is evolution. Evolution is this theory of microorganisms that there was, you know, there was nothing. Everybody says the theory of evolution is that there was water or that there was this, and then there were chemicals, and then the chemicals expounded, and then they, it grew into a one-celled organism, and then that one-celled organism became a two-celled organism, the two-celled organism became a dinosaur, and the dinosaur became a fish, and the fish became a bird, and the bird became an ape, and the ape became humans. I swear it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that God created the world. Uh, Darwin, Darwin and all of his genius. Darwin was a brilliant, brilliant man. If you've ever studied any of his work, he was very brilliant. He spent a lot of years on the island of Galapagos, and he came up with the theory of, of macro and micro evolution. And the problem with his theory is that he was wrong, number one. And number two was that as he began to present these, these ideas, there were some things that he kind of saw on the island in nature, and then he took these little things that he saw, and he started to create the theory of evolution, this idea where things jumped. And the biggest idea is what I just said, that things transformed from one to another. But as over the last 150 years, there were some things that Darwin promised that we would find. He promised that we would find um, these, these organisms, these, you know, that you have apes and you have man but we don't have any ape men. You know, we have, we have frogs and we have lizards, but we don't have any frigards. You know, we have, and, and there, was a, there was a non, and I like using this guy because he was not a Christian. He did not believe um, in Christ at all. He was a very secular uh, scientist, and, um, and, and he wrote, and he spent his whole life studying the theory of evolution. At the end of it, he produced a lot of writings and articles and books, and he said there is no way, he said, the odds of evolution uh, being real, he said, is so unrealistic. And he said that he starts going through the four major things, and, and he says through all of our archaeological uh, digs and all the things that we found, we've never seen organisms jump from one thing to the other. We see that in the canine family, there's some genetic mutations, but when you're a dog, you're always a dog. You became a dog, you were a dog, you'll die a dog, you'll be a dog, your children will be dogs. The same thing in the rabbit family, the bird family, the... There was ne nothing ever jumped ship. Nothing was a bird, and then it gave birth to a cat. Like, that never happened. There was never a jump. And, and we've kind of, we've taken all of these little theories and some things that we do see um, in nature that is real. There's, there's some aspects of evolution that, that kind of show up and we make these big leaps and we make these big jumps. And so now we have this huge battle right now. It's bigger now than it probably ever has been. The idea of evolution versus the idea of creationism. And it's kind of become this thing. Remember a few months ago when, uh, I don't know if anybody watched, it was on mainstream like CBS, Ken Ham and Bill Nye the science guy. Remember Bill Nye, if you're my age? Remember when the teachers would just get tired of teaching you and then they would just turn on a movie, go in the back and, and sleep and let you watch Bill Nye Magic School Bus? You remember that? Anybody remember Magic School Bus? Was I the only one that hated school? Okay, so Bill Nye shows up. He's just like the, the poster child of atheism today and he's, he's fighting uh, Ken Ham and Ken Ham's like the poster child of creationism and they're going back and forth and back and forth and I, you know, I watched the debate and I just, I realized something that both of these ideas are faith-based. Both of these ideas are faith-based. There is, there is no evidence, there is no proof 
that the, the doctrine of evolution, the theology of, I mean, the, the idea of evolution is true. There's no proof, and there's no proof that God created the world, is there, other than the fact that you and me exist. And I realized something about science. I realized something about the theory of evolution. I realized something about creationism. I realized something that, that at the end of the day, no matter which direction you choose to go, you are making a faith-based decision because you do not know. We were not there in the beginning. That's the problem with evolution. That's the problem with debating how the beginning began because nobody was there in the beginning. The whole process of science is that you can go back and you can duplicate results and that you can prove something happened done to the other. Does that make sense? Right, but you can't go back and prove how something took place in the beginning. You can't go back to the beginning. You can't go back to when, when God created man. You can't go back to when he formed the heavens and the earth. You can't go back to when he put the stars in the sky. You can't go back. And so you can't prove it. And I think we, sometimes we get with all of our science and all of our mentality in this day and age, we get to this place to where if we can't prove something, then we immediately reject it. But the problem with that is, is that you could not prove it one way or the other. But it matters what you believe about the existence of the earth. It matters what you believe about the existence of God. It matters so much to your life if you believe or if you don't believe or if you reject the belief that God created the world. Just for a few reasons. Number one, if we were a cosmological accident, if this whole thing was never meant to be, if it just happened because some chemicals, and nobody wants to talk about where the chemicals came from in the first place, but that's whatever. The Big Bang Theory, two planets ran into each other and the world created. There is no God. Where'd the planets come from, moron? I mean, just ask some basic intellectual questions. All right? You can't go back. If it was all an accident, that means you were an accident. That means life was an accident. We have no reason to live, right? There was no purpose. There was no intent. It was just, it's just something that happened. We showed up one day, and maybe one day we won't be here. And that's about the extent of life, right? Just purely existence. But if you, if you take it other, and if you look at life and you say, okay, I believe that God created me. I believe that there was a higher power. I believe that, that, that this God created everything. With that belief, you gain purpose and you gain reason. You gain value. We believe that God created everything. We believe that God created you. We believe that God created your family. We believe God created your wife and your husband and your children. We believe that God created everything that you see on the face of the planet and as far as the universe expands. This is what we believe. We believe this. And this is why it matters to your life. Because when God wanted to make it known, one of the reasons I wanted you to read through some of Genesis, just, just be honest. I just want to know how many people actually read 12 chapters of the Bible? Come on now. I was thinking like seven. That was the number. I was thinking like seven people would read. How many, how many picked the Bible up at all and read any of it? There we go. I knew 12 was too much. I should have said 12 verses next time. All right, now who, who didn't read it all? Oh, you're so, you get $5 for being honest. And you get, okay, there's too many. Now everybody's being honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wanted you to read because I want to go through something because God, God was very, very 
very specific about something. He, he, he says, he goes through and he talks about how he created the days and he goes through and how he created the suns and the moon and the darkness and light and he separates the void and he creates the animals and then he comes to us, he comes to humanity and he says something um, incredibly peculiar about us. He says something pretty amazing about us and it gives us the reason for our existence. This is what God said about humanity, about creation. He says, then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Then God said, let us make man after our image and after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is one of the most peculiar and at the same time powerful verses in Scripture. Because it says that God created us, humanity, mankind, in his own image, and in his own likeness. This is powerful. What is an image supposed to do? That word right there is imago day. What's an image supposed to do? Anybody know? An image reflects. An image represents. It's really cool that you said reflect, because that's exactly the word that I'm going to use in the sermon later. So you get an A for that. It says that image, when you take a picture of something, what, is an, what does that picture do? When you take a picture of, of something, what do you want the image to do? You want it to reflect and represent something that happened. It tells a story, right? That's what an image does. It tells a, it tells a story of what's happening. I just, want to, I just want to give you some examples right here. Can everybody see that? This would be the one day I have pictures that this goes out. Can everybody over here see this? This is me and my wife. We made some snowmen and a snowwoman. This is our first winter here um, in, in Denver at our little house. And we went outside, and, and we rolled up all the little snowballs. Oh, I rolled up all the little snowballs, and Courtney was the boss and directed the situation. But <laughs> I placed the snowman. We went inside. We got little, little coals and rocks, and we made the little stick figures. And it was just an awesome, cool little day. How do you know? How do we know what's happening? If I wouldn't have told you anything about that picture, do you think that you could have guessed the majority of what happened that day? I mean, right, because you look at it, you see the snow, okay, it's winter time. all right, they're, they're not boring people, they're not just sitting inside doing nothing, they went outside, they, they, rolled, they made some snowmen, all right, Courtney's not sweating because she let Jordan do all the work, so you know that about our, a little bit about our relationship, there I am, I'm smiling, you got, I mean, when you see a picture, what, it reflects and represents, you start to tell a story, you start to see a little bit about it, let's go to another picture, just see, just a little bit, all right, here's me in a tree, all right, what, is this, what does this tell you? Just, just looking at the image, just looking at the image, let's do a little exercise. What does this tell you about me? Anyway, don't be afraid to insult me. It's okay. What does this image tell you about me? Isaiah, that's my favorite. Isaiah said, you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> that's true. That I'm a little monkey. This is, this is right. This is me without Adderall. Okay, that's what this is. All right, this is me. This is who I am. A little bit goofy. If there's a tree, I'm probably going to climb it. That's just, that's just who I am. Why not? Why would you just sit there and do nothing when there's a tree to be climbed? That's just a little bit of part of my personality, right? So you get a little bit, you gain just a little bit more. When you see this image, just a little bit more. Let's just keep going. Let's just see what happens next. Aw. Everybody, one, two, three. Aw. Look at Courtney. She's so pretty. What can you tell about this day? Happy day. Happy day. Am I in love? Oh, go back, Scott. Am I in love? Yeah. She's, yes, that's very true. She looks like she's trying to 
She's, yes. She looks like she's trying to run. This was my greatest day of my life and the worst day of Courtney's. That's what you tell. When you just, when you just look at this image, you just look at this story, it tells a story, right? It t- you can look at that without me even saying a word. You know what? You know what? He's married. They're married. They look happy. At least Jordan's happy. And, and like, it's just... And it's just a cool thing. All right, let's go to the next, let's go to the next picture. All right, so here's, here's all, a couple of our teenagers. This is the day that we, uh, we moved Joseph, our, our new associate pastor. We moved him into town. All the teenagers went and helped us, and we decided to do that at the end of the day. What in the world can you tell from that image? Right, we have fun. We're friends. We like each other. Joseph doesn't smile. You can see that ever. Whitney's happy. There's me hanging on the, uh, I couldn't just be normal and just be standing in the picture. I had to be hanging on the truck. So you know a little bit about me. I just go, kind of go to the next picture. All right, now, this, what does this tell you? What story does this tell? All right, there's Courtney trying to study, and there's me being me. I'm trying to show Courtney what a gargoyle is. We got into this conversation. I think if my memory is correct, she was talking about, and I think in ancient history or something about gargoyles, and I decided that I would be one in order to show her what it is a gargoyle was. So what, what do you learn about a little bit about me? We keep learning the same lesson, I think. I think we keep learning the same lesson. All right, go to the next, go to the next picture. Oh, there's Courtney. Yeah. I only put that up there to make her mad. This is, we went to my, went to my uh, grandmother's house. It was one of the first times she was up there, and, and she's just making that face and just being her, and she's so cute. But, I mean, you look at that picture, you have a little bit, you, have a, you tell a little bit, about, little bit about Courtney. Go to the next, go to the next picture. All right, this is, uh, this is old, old Tay-Tay. Me and Taylor, we did our first wedding together. I did the message, and he did the music, and, and uh, they got divorced pretty shortly after. I'm just kidding, they didn't at all. But this is our first... Uh, First wedding, this is just, you know, you learn a little bit about friends and, and different things like that. Go to the next picture. This is me. See, it looks like I'm high. I'm not high. What happened was I turned around and realized how stupid I was and that at any moment I could die. And that was the face that I made coming up the mouth. And this was this summer at the youth trip, a bunch of the teenagers, and just for the record, none of the teenagers were in danger. None of the teen, except for Isaiah and the rest of the crew that was there. So... This is just us on a mountaintop. You know, maybe I got a little bit of an adventurous side to me. I don't know. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is just, I literally just got up and I just went to my Facebook and I just pulled off a bunch of random pictures and, and you kind of get an idea of who I am by looking into those pictures, seeing those images. They reflect and they represent a part of a story. They tell a story of who I am. They tell a story of what type of, of person I am. You know that I'm a little goofy. You know that if I'm not sedated, I'll be climbing trees and jumping on couches and, and running around like crazy. I mean, you just, you know these things. You know that, that I annoy the fire out of Courtney, and I love it with a passion. You know that we love each other. You know that, you know that we've got a cool youth group. You know that images do what? Images tell a story. Images represent and reflect something or somebody in a story. And this is what God says that you are. 
He says, this is what I've created you to be. He says, I go through, he went through the whole world. He says, I created the world. I created the animals. I created the fish of the sea. I created the birds of the air. I, cre- I raised up the mountains and I shot down the valleys. I, I filled the oceans. I've, I've, I put the planets in I did all this stuff. And then he comes to us and he says, and I want you to understand something about you. I want you to understand that you have been created in the image and the likeness of me. He says, I want you to understand, humanity, that you are special and that I've got special plans for you and that it is through you, your life, your existence, who you are, how you act, you are supposed to represent and reflect me. You're supposed to tell the knowledge of of me. And Isaiah, when God comes back, when God, he he comes back to the people of Israel and he says, he wants to make this this statement to the people of Israel. And he says, everybody, everybody, go back, go back to the the first one. I skipped it a minute ago. The Isaiah. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Right dead middle of this, this long story from Genesis to Revelations, God comes back to the people and he says, I want you to understand. I want you to know that I created you and that I created you for my glory. I created you for me. I want you to know that you're not an accident. I want you to know that this wasn't just a cosmological mishap. I want you to know that there was a lot of intention and that there was a lot of purpose. There was a lot of reason behind me bringing you into existence primarily because I wanted you to tell the story of me. I wanted your life and your existence and your marriage and your kids and what you do with your life. I wanted you to tell the story of me. I wanted your life to reflect the glory of me. I wanted your, your life and your existence to reflect the greatness and the power of the God who created you. He said, this is who you are. You are the image of God. Even if you choose not to believe that, even if you choose not to try to be that, that is who you are. That is your existence. That's what you were created to be. You are the image and the likeness of God. Whether you reject it or you believe it or you accept it, it doesn't matter. That's who you are. You are the image of God. It is through your life, it is through your story that you are supposed to tell the story, the knowledge and the power and the glory of God. All right? You weren't just something that came out of a Petri dish. You weren't just two little things that came together and, and expounded. You weren't an accident. You were very intentional. All right? God had this amazing, beautiful design for this world. And one of the reasons I wanted you to read through the, t- the 12 chapters of Genesis is because I, wanted, I don't have time to get into how specific and how beautiful God created everything to be. But when he came to the end of it, On the sixth day, he looked back on it and he said amazing words about you and the rest of creation. He said, it is good. He said, it is good. There's nothing bad. There's nothing judgmental. There's nothing with condemnation. There's not a mistake on the planet. It is all good. I created the world. I created the planets, the waters, the fish, the seas. I created humanity, and it is all good. It is beautiful. It is perfect. It is as it should be. We have a purpose and a reason And that is to reflect the glory of the God who created us. And when you reject that belief, 
You transfer that glory to something else or somebody else. God goes on and says, not only are you the image of God, not only are you made in my likeness, not only are you the, are you the, like the premier of my existence, not only are you the, the prince and the princesses of the earth, the, I'm the father and you're my children, not only that, he said, but I want you to do this thing for me. He goes on, keep going, I know I, know I went out, just go, just go, just go. Stop, stop, go back. I need my old microphone back. This is when Jesus talks, just go to the next one, it doesn't matter. I'll come back to that. It says, and God blessed them. Right after he says, you are the image, and creating the image and the likeness of God, he says, God, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the earth. And he goes through and names all the specific parts of the earth. He says, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to understand you are the image of God. You're made in my likeness. I love you. You are the sons and daughters of God. And I want you to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He says, this is what I want you to do with your life. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Be fruitful and multiply. Don't think about that too much for a minute. But he says, I want you, I've given you life People start thinking about it. You know, <laughs> I've given you life, and I want you to take that life. I've given you the power to create life, and I want you to continue to multiply, to be fruitful, and to duplicate what? Each other. I've given life. I've breathed life into you, and now because you represent me, you have the power to create life, and so you create life, be fruitful, and multiply, and so do the earth. At the end of the day, what do you have? If things go as planned, what do you have? You have a group of people. You have images of God going throughout, multiplying, going throughout the world, subduing it, managing it, enjoying the world that he created us all for what? The glory of God. He said, I want you to be the images. I want you to represent me. I want you to go into the earth. I want you to multiply. I want you to enjoy the oceans that I've given you. I want you to enjoy the plants that I've given you. I want you to enjoy the views of the earth. I want you to enjoy each other. I want you to fall in love. I want you to have children. I want you to enjoy the powerful emotions that I've given you, the love and the happiness and the joy. I want you to go about the earth. And as you go about the earth and you enjoy and you love and you make children and you love those children, children and you raise those children and you spread throughout the earth and enjoying everything that I've given you as you do that your story will tell the story of me your life will tell the story of my greatness and my love and my power See, in the beginning before sin, this is all before sin. In the beginning before sin, God said, I want you to, I want to walk with you and I want to talk with you and I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be with you. I want to enjoy each other. I want, I want this, this all good and it's happy and it's joyful and there is no bad. There is no evil. There is no corruption. That's just what it was supposed to be. Does that make sense? I mean, I just want you to imagine, and I'm going to say this as delicately as I possibly can, for the little years, but I want you to imagine a world right, where your purpose in life was to fall in love, create a family, fruitful and multiply, right. love those children, raise those children, worship God, and enjoy the world. Just for a second, can you imagine that? If that was it, can you imagine that? Can you imagine a world without evil? 
Can you imagine a world without corruption? Can you imagine a world without pride, jealousy, envy, murder, rape? Can you imagine a world without adultery? Could you imagine a world where you could trust people? Could you imagine this world? God said, this is what it was supposed to be. No stress, no anxiety, no evil, joy, happiness, goodness, love. That was what God said, I wanted it to be. And your image, just you, your life, your existence, just you doing what you've been born to do would give me the utmost glory. I mean, I, I mean, like, it almost makes me a little depressed to think about that and then look at the state of the world today. Because that was God's intentions. That was God's plans. It was our job. Humanity's job was to fill the earth, pushing forth the knowledge and the glory of God, representing and reflecting God's greatness and God's glory. But then something happened. See, as, as we went on, as time went on, there was a little incident with Eve and Adam. See, and God said, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have the whole world. I want you to have the whole world. I want you to enjoy everything in it. It's yours. Everything in the world is yours. Your only job right, is to love me, have a family, enjoy the world I've given you, and the only thing that you cannot do, the only thing that you cannot do, you cannot eat from the tree of fruit or the tree of good and evil. Have from any other tree in the whole, you can't have this tree. It's a classic story. You live in America, you know the story of Adam and Eve. He said, you can't have it. The enemy creeps in, creeps in, and he starts negotiating with Eve. And he says, Eve, I want you to understand something. All right, you're not going to die if you eat from this God doesn't want you to eat from this because he knows when you eat from this, you will gain the knowledge that he has and you will be just like God. You ever thought about the original sin? You ever thought about the reason for the sin? The sin was the act of disobedience, but do you know what the greater sin was? The reason why they did it? It wasn't because she was hungry. It wasn't because she just wanted to disobey. It was because she was tempted with the idea of being like God or being God. Same thing with the enemy. In heaven, what was his sin? I'm not satisfied with worshiping God. I believe that I could be higher than God. And so Eve disobeys God. And in this moment, sin is created. And what happened, the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they stepped out of his ways and they stepped out of his will, sin was created and sin marred the image of humanity. In that moment, in that act of disobedience, there was an act of rebellious nature that set in us, a sin nature that set in us, and now we had the impossibility to do things God's way. And we see from that point on, throughout the course of humanity, we see that Cain and Abel, we see that God said, I want you to do offering like this. I want you to worship me like this. I want you to love me like this. And Abel said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And Cain said, no, I won't do it. And God accepted Abel and rejected Cain. And then out of jealousy and envy and hatred, Cain murdered Abel. And then as you go on and you read through, if you read, if you go through the next few chapters, it finally arrives to this point where it says there was corruption all over the earth. And every man, every woman had 
evil in their hearts continually from birth over and over and over and over again. And then you arrive at chapter 11. Because I just want to rehash real fast. Taylor, you go ahead and come play. I just want to rehash real fast. God said, or Justin, this is Justin. God said, I want you to understand, I created you. I gave you this world. And your only job was to enjoy the world that I've given you. Because I love you and I want to be your creator and I want to be your father. And I want to be your provider. I want to take care of you. I've given you all the plants and the animals of the earth. I want to, I want to be the one that provides for you. I'm going to be the one that protects you. I'm going to be the one that, that, that loves you. I'm going to have a relationship with you. I want to walk with you. And your life is supposed to point to me. Your life is a monument. Your life is a, a picture. Your life is a sculpture. Your life is, a, is an image that's reflecting my glory and pointing back to my greatness and pointing back to the fact that I am the creator. That's what humanity was supposed to be. That's what your life was supposed to be. That's what my life was supposed to be. And then we have this thing called sin. This act of disobedience shows up. We'll talk more about that in a different week. This, this sin shows up in our life, and it mars the image in our life. It mars us. It, 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 it's like imagine a mirror all right, that's reflecting you and all of your beauty. And then someone throws a rock and cracks the mirror. And as hard as you try to see, you cannot see yourself the way you really are. That's what sin did to the image of God. That's what sin did to our lives. It became impossible for us to please God. It became impossible for us to know God even. It became impossible for us uh, to walk away from that. And then it shows up, this little, this little town, this little city in chapter 11. All right, when, when God says he starts watching humanity come and, and then this, this thing starts to happen and we see human nature take over this is what goes down this is in Babel he says then they said this is what the humanity the children of, of, of Shem the children of man he says then they said come let us build ourselves a city Genesis chapter 11 this is one you need to highlight big time come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So God said, I want you, humanity, my children, all right, the ones that I've created, the ones that I love, I want you to do things this way. I want you to love me and to walk with me and to, and to have a family and to enjoy the world that I've given you. And I want your life to tell the story of me. I want your life to tell the greatness of God. I want your life to reflect my glory. But what humanity does was is they leave and they walk away from God and they go to a valley and the first flat area they get to, they look at each other and they say this right here. No mention of God, no mention of Yahweh, no mention of Elohim, no mention of the Creator, no mention of God's love, no mention of God's plans, no mention of God's will, no mention of God's desires, no mention of who God is. They completely walked away, they completely rejected the idea of God, and they looked at each other in the face and they said, come let us, with our power, with our might, build ourselves a great city with a great tower and this tower and this city this tower that goes as high as the heavens all the way to the sky we will make it so great with all of our power that when people see it they will love us and they will know us and we will make a name for ourselves and so that we will go down in history as famous builders 
And that when the whole world looks into this town of Babel and they see the tower that's in the heavens and they see the great cities, they will not mention any else name but us. They will know our names. We will inscribe our names on the buildings. We will inscribe our sculptures. We will, we will build up this great city for us. And when the world sees the city, then they will know that we are great and they will know our names and we will live on in infamy forever. Sound familiar? You know what? And then God says this. He says, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be disturbed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Kind of like, kind of like when, when your little puppy brings you a sock and you just kind of stare at him and you're like, what the heck are you doing with my sock? Like in his mind, he's like, he's doing something really good for you. He's bringing you your sock with new holes in it. I guess what, I mean, honestly, I mean, that's what I imagine. I imagine, I mean, we just thought we, thought we were just so awesome. We're going to build this big city and this giant tower. And we're going to put all our might in it and all our money and all our resources. And we're, the whole world's going to know we're great and know we're amazing. And it says that God just came down to see what the children of man had built. And he said, behold, they are one people. They all have one language. They're united. And this is the only, the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. He saw something about human nature. And he said, look at them. All of them. They're united in building up their own kingdom for their own reasons and their own purposes and their own glory. And he says, and, and this is powerful. I mean, you don't, you don't really think about it, but he says, there's nothing that they can't do. There's nothing that they won't do. This is scary because I want you to get this. He looks at the children of man, build this city, and he says, they want the glory for themselves. They want the power for themselves. They want the success for themselves. They want to be known. And there's nothing that these humans won't do to gain it. Because you know what happened? They, they built cities. And then when those cities were too big, they went and they battled other cities. And then when the two cities weren't enough, they went and destroyed another and got a third city. You go back, you look over the history of the world. What is the history of the world? From beginning to end, the one universal factor from day one, no matter what you believe about God, no matter what you believe about Christ, no matter what you believe, what does history tell us about humanity? We are vile, violent, evil, selfish people who spend our entire lives building up nations and cities and countries and names for ourselves. And when there's another nation that threatens us, we take them over, we destroy them, we kill them, we take them out. That is humanity, right? Murder war that's humanity can we agree with that anybody go through eighth grade history 
What was the vast majority of history throughout your schooling? War. From day one, war. Violence. War. Violence. War. Violence. Let's build up our cities. Let's build up our towers. Let the name, let the world know that we're great. Let's build up armies. Let's destroy anybody that comes in the way of everybody knowing that we're the most powerful. No, we're the most great. One city isn't enough. We need two. One country isn't enough. We need three. Three countries aren't enough. We need a continent. One continent is enough. We need the whole world. Watch the movie last night, Fury. It makes a statement in the movie. I think Shia LaBeouf makes a statement to the new kid. And he says, can't wait till you see it. And the kid says, what? And he says, what one man can do to another man. See, what happens is when you reject God and you reject God's purpose for your life, when you, when you choose not to believe in God, What you inherit is the nature of man. And the nature of man is to kill each other. You know, ever, ever read about the Bible when it talks about sin, it says the results of sin, the wages of sin is what? Death. Do you know what happens when a man dies and a woman dies? They are no longer what? The image of God. Right? I'm just going to preach for a minute. I want you to go back to Cain and Abel. I just want you to think about this. I want you to go back to Cain and Abel. Who won in that battle? Not Cain, not Abel. Who won in that battle? The enemy. Why? Because you had one man who said, I will do things God's way. And he was reflecting and representing God and giving glory to God. And Cain murdered him. And it took the image away. It took God's glory away. See, and this is the thing, and this is, I know that this is a little depressing. I know this is a little sad. And if you don't really not sure about God, and you're not really sure about Christ, and you're not really sure about this whole thing, I want you to understand something, all right? When we turned our back on God, we lost that goodness. All right, this is the part I want you to get, and if it offends you, I'm sorry, but you just have to understand this. When we turned our back on God, when we accepted sin, when we walked away from God's ways, and we walked away from that image, and we walked away from this holy, beautiful, perfect, righteous, majestic King, Creator, and God, when we walked away from Him, we walked out of the goodness, and we became not good. We became not good good. God is holy. God is perfect. God is righteous. God is without sin. God is truthful. He is full of justice. At the foot of his throne is goodness and righteousness. He is everything. He is the definition of perfection. And when we walked out of that, we became not good. We became unrighteous. We became evil in our hearts, in our minds. That's why war has always been here. That's why war will always be here. That's why death has always been here. That's why we'll always be here. That's why we steal from each other and we cheat on each other and we hurt each other and we lie to each other. That's why, because at the nature, in our nature, when we walked away from God, we left what was good and we became something that was not good. 
And I don't want to offend you and I don't want to make you upset, but I want you to accept this in your heart and your life, that apart from God, we are liars and cheaters and thieves. We are unrighteous. We are prideful people. And life becomes about building great cities for us. Just one trophy after the other, representing the greatness of ourselves. It's what life becomes. We do it in different ways. The money, more money, more successful. The bigger the house, the more successful. The car, the hotter, the wife, the husband, the job, the career, whatever it is. We just, whatever we can get our hands on to elevate ourselves up, it's what life becomes about. And God said, you will never find peace in that. You will never find joy in that because that's not what you were created to be. You were created to bring me joy. You were created to enjoy the world that I gave you. You were created to create life. You were created to love, not to hate. And then in chapter 12 of Genesis, he calls Abraham and he begins this. We'll get more into this next week. He begins this, this journey all the way to Jesus Christ. And then in John 3, 16, we see God's end result. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that he would, might be saved through him. Something happened on that day at Babel. Chapter 11 Genesis, go through, read it. God saw the nature of man and he knew if they don't come back to me, they are going to hate and kill until there is nothing left. And the very next chapter, he connects with Abraham, he creates the people of Israel, and he raises up Christ through them 2,000 years later. whole reason that God created us, that God gave us the world, and that God eventually gave us his son was because he loves us. He loves you in a way that you cannot fathom or understand. And this love, to gain this love, to have this love, and to experience this love is the greatest thing you will ever experience on this earth. It is greater than any high. It is greater than any adventure. It will mean more to you when you find it right, than any amount of money, than any amount of success, than anything. And he says, I love the world so much, even though they left me, even though they walked away, even though they marred the image, even though they're building cities for themselves, even though they're warring and they're hateful and they're hating and they're liars and they're thieves, I love them so much, so much that I'm going to send my son Jesus Christ to them and make my love for them known so that they know in their hearts that even though they were born liars, they don't have to die liars. Even though they were born sinners, they don't have to die sinners. Even though they were born rejecting me, they don't have to die rejecting me. Even though they don't know me, they can know me. And he said, you know what world? I forgive you for everything. Everything you've ever done. Every life you've ever taken. Everything 
you have done under the sun, I will forgive you for if you come to me. See, this is the part I want you to understand. God created you because he loved you. He sent Christ to make that love known to you. And any moment in your life, when you're looking around and you realize there's got to be something more to this earth and to this life than this, Christ is there in that moment waiting on you because he loves you, because you are his children. And no amount of sin is going to stop him from loving you. When we give our hearts to Christ and we begin to follow Christ and we begin to do things his way, that sin that marred the image of God is gone. And then we're back to reflecting and representing the God who created us. Now, to me, that is just an amazing, beautiful thing because do you know why? Because I know my sin. I don't know your sin. You don't know my sin. But I know my sin. I know the lies and the, I know the, the cheating. I know the, the stealing. I know the, the murderous thoughts, the anger, the, the lust. The sin. I know me. I know the depth of my depravity. I know that I was not good. And so when I met Christ and I felt that love for the first time, just that amazing feeling as he just draws you to himself, I know what it was worth. And I'm telling you right now, no matter where you are in this life, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can find him in a moment's notice, right now, today even. And if you do know Christ, and you're kind of going through this message, I want you to ask yourself a question. What story is your life telling? Is your life you building up cities and towers so the world will know that you are great? Or is your life, the story of your life, the story of your existence, is it reflecting the greatness and the glory of an almighty loving God that created you? Because if your life is about building up towers for your name, if your life is anything other than giving God glory, you are not experiencing the joy and the happiness that God has for you. I can promise you something right now. I have never in my life, and I know what depression is, I can promise you, I have never in my life experienced the joy that comes from knowing you are in the will of a living God. So this morning, as we begin to worship here in just a few minutes, I just want you to spend a few minutes with God and just ask yourself, do I realize that God loves me unconditionally no matter what I've done 
And all I have to do is to believe in his name because God has made his love known through Jesus Christ. And if you know that you are a Christian and that you are saved, is my life still about me? What's the story of my life? What is my life telling the world? Is it telling of a great loving God or is it telling of a prideful me? You know what? Yesterday, I were at my dad's and I was building some stuff and I walked into the closet and I found a box of trophies when I, from when I was a kid. You know how happy those trophies made me? Real happy. You know why? Because I was like, look. Look at what I did. Look at how great I am. Look at how amazing I am. Look at how awesome I am. Do you see that? That's my name on it. This means that I'm awesome. This means that I'm great. This means that I did something good. And it was like a split second. Last night I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking about that. And I was just like, oh my gosh. The nature of man. God wanted us to be a trophy for him. That's what he wanted your life to be. He wants you to know him, to love him, to walk with him, and to represent him. To love him, to serve him, to live with him and for him. And if you're not, I can promise you, you are not experiencing a joy and a peace that he meant for you to enjoy. And at the end of the day, all the decisions you make in this life, the purchases, the houses, the cars, the money, the jobs, the women, the men, everything you do, you are doing in an effort to find peace and satisfaction. And you will never find that peace and you will never find that satisfaction in anything but God Almighty. If you guys will stand. Father God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit rest in this house. I pray, Father God, right now that you would just move in this place, Lord. I know, Lord, that there are so many different types of people in this room this morning. God, I know that there are people who don't know you. I know that there are people who do. I know that there are people who grew up in church. I know there are people who didn't grow up in church. I, I know that there's all types of people here in this room this morning, God. But I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you love every single person in this room, God. And I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit speak to our hearts and speak to our minds this morning, God. I pray, Father, that you will just let us fill you in your comfort and your love and your peace, God. And I pray, Lord, if there is anybody in this room, Lord, that does not know you, God. You know, if they're just sitting there and they're going back their life and they're looking at the story of their life, the image of their life, the life that, that their life is portraying, God, and they look back and they see, God, and they see that it is not about you and that it has always been about them, God. And they, they, they look back and they I've tried to find peace and I've tried to find comfort and I've tried to find all this stuff and women and men and houses and cars and money and success. And, and I thought this would make me happy and I thought this would make me happy and I thought this would make me happy. And if I just looked like this or acted like this or had this, I, I pray, Lord God, that you would just give them the supreme, powerful knowledge of knowing that no matter what they obtain in this life, Nothing will bring the joy and the peace and the purpose of knowing your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, right now that you would speak to our hearts, God. And I pray, Lord, for all the believers in the room, God, the believers, God, the ones that they know 
God, they follow you. They know you. They love you, God. I pray, Lord, that you right now, that you will just begin to use them, God. No matter what story their life is telling now, God, that you will begin to rewrite the story of their life so that it will reflect the glory of you, God. I pray, Lord, that Jesus would just be in this house this morning, God. That you would just make yourself known to us, God, as we worship you. Let us experience that joy, God. I pray, Lord, if there is anybody in this room who knows in their heart they need forgiveness of their sins, God, no matter what they have done, God, I know, we know, Scripture tells us that you love them and you will forgive them for anything they have ever done against you. I pray, Lord God, right now that you will have your way in your holy and your precious name. Amen. If you guys will just